Well, good evening to you, and I'd like to welcome you to our Tuesday evening webcast. And uh, you may be watching somewhere in the world where it's morning, so if it is, good morning to you, and I trust that you will have a great day. It's good to see all of you that are watching with us. Uh, I can't watch some of the apps that we are normally on, so I could speak to you because we are doing what we're doing tonight with by Skype with our great friend Bill Weiss. Now we'll be talking to him in just a moment, so stay tuned. This is going to be, I believe, one of the most dynamic, powerful nights since I've been doing this for over five or six years we've been doing our webcast. The subject matter tonight is so, so important, and so I want you to stay with us, and we're going to go to prayer, but before we do, I want to just mention, you know, I'm sure it's that some of you have heard about all of the tornadoes that hit here, uh, I believe it was night before last, and um, I, I know we were sitting in our house, and we were just believing God that everything was going to be all right, and... Uh, you know, one of the one of our uh, people in our church, a sister, that beautiful lady, uh, I was praying over her Sunday that God had just protect her. Well, she went to work later that day, and at her workplace, the tornado hit there and tore. They don't even know if these buildings are going to be repairable or usable again. They may have to tear the whole shopping center down. But she was safe. And uh, she's here tonight, and we're glad that she's safe. Her name is Gina, and we're glad that Gina is safe. And there's many, many people that still do not have power here in Dallas because of the storms that came here Sunday night and the tornadoes. And, you know, it was just a path going right down through certain populations of, of the people of Dallas. And, you know, it's happened many times in many different places. And it's sad when all of this happens. So we're going to pray over the, the meeting this evening. And I want to pray also for the people that are hurting and uh, going through some difficult times. Because many of the people, uh, you know, are, are really suffering this evening. And so let's just believe God that he will touch them. Father, as we come to you tonight, as we begin our webcast, and our friend Bill Weiss will be joining us in just a few minutes, I believe you're going to anoint him to speak words of life, words of truth, words that will bring help and healing to the hurting people and bring revelation as well to help people understand that there is a hell, that there is a heaven, and that God is a God of love, and God will save and heal and deliver anyone that will accept Him. So we pray this evening, God, for this webcast, that you will just minister and touch hearts and lives, and then we pray for the people here in Dallas that are suffering, that have gone through so much loss and emotional, uh, it must be an emotional um, time that it's hard to deal with all the loss that they have gone through. So, Lord, we just ask that you will minister to everyone. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen and amen. Now, it's good to see each of you watching. Um, however, David, I am getting some notice here saying, uh, well, they're saying the volume is good, so that's good. Uh, let me just acknowledge some of you, if I can. I'll take just a moment to do that. Um, I see you, Shirley. 
Uh, Juve Estrada, bless you, Juve. Pastor, you're just such an awesome man of God. We love you so much. Judy, uh, watching Myrna, Joseph from, uh, uh, or Josh, rather, and that's right here. Merle Shell, my sister, Sue Pearson over in Tennessee. Judy Baldwin over in, um, well, I'm redoing some of these. Tammy, my daughter, Richard Harper. Angelina from Australia. Angelina, bless you. Um, uh, someone that's very dear to you is sitting here in the audience, and that's the world, world-renowned evangelist uh, Mike Francine. We're so honored to have him in the audience with us tonight, and I was trying to get him to stay and be here with us next week, but he's got meetings. Richard Harper, Deborah Brown, Cindy Paulson, Pullman, uh, uh, Bonnie, Deborah Brown, Stephanie Parker, uh, Chad, Lois Oliver, and Joseph from the Philippines. Joseph, bless you so much for watching and tuning in. You're just so sweet. And I, I, again, maybe this Sunday, Joseph, I'm going to be able to put the pictures up of the ministry that we're helping you do there in the Philippines. And then there's Susanna, uh, Michael Brooks, my cousin out in Arizona, Rosa Shell. Uh, all of you just stay tuned, and, and you that are watching on Facebook, if you would like to just go to your page and share this with someone, you know, you may help lead them to Jesus by sharing it on your page. You may open their eyes and cause them to have some understanding and revelation that they've never had. But right now, and I don't want to take any more of the time because my friend from California, Bill Weiss, has had such an encounter with God that... Uh, I, I believe this will be a life-changing moment for you. Bill had an experience, an encounter with hell. He was a businessman, but uh, wasn't saved. He'll tell you the story, but I'm just giving you a little introduction before I bring him on. But he had this experience that he is going to be talking about, and you need to hear every part of this. And as he begins to share I want you to open your ears and hear what the, what God has done in his heart. Now, he and his lovely wife, Annette, they're going all over the world uh, teaching and preaching and ministering and giving this vision of what God did for him and how God changed his life and he will change you. We're honored, we're blessed, we're privileged to have my dear friend, uh, Bill Weiss. He's out in California right now. I'm right here in Texas. And, and Bill, we got people watching us all over the world. Welcome to uh, Experience Life. Thank you, Mr. Don. Uh, such an honor to be with you. Uh, so appreciate being with you on your show. Well, we're, we're just uh, really believing that you're going to have something to share as before, you've been here with us a couple of times, and the times you've been here, my heart has always been so blessed and touched by you sharing the vision that that God gave you. Well, I don't know if I can say God gave you or, or how this all went about, but yeah, you, God gave. Well, you explain it to us, and anyway, give us just a little bit of history about yourself, and then I want you to go into the encounter that you had about hell. All right. Well, I've been a Christian now for 50 years, and uh, this experience happened November 23, 1998. So at that point, I was a Christian for 28 years serving in my church. I've been a real estate broker, owning my own company. My wife also in real estate, very successful real estate business. I was not in the ministry, but I had taught at our church a lot. 
But uh, that's kind of my background. My wife and I have been married for 22 years, and that's been the most blessed years of my life. Um, anyway, so that's a little bit of background. But this experience, when it happened, you know, um, I was a Christian, like I said, it, and it was not a near-death experience. This was an out-of-body experience that would be classified as a vision in the Bible. You know, in Don's 2 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2, Paul, when he was caught up into heaven in a vision, he said, whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. Well, the Lord showed me that I left my body. So in a vision, you can actually travel, like Paul and John traveled to heaven. Ezekiel chapter 8, he traveled from Babylon to Jerusalem. So the things experienced in a vision in your spirit body are just as real as they would be in your physical body. And this is not to compare my experience to any of the great men of the Bible. I'm just trying to give you a scriptural basis of how can this occur for a Christian. The only way a Christian can see hell is in a dream or a vision. And uh, I never studied the topic of hell at that point. I have never gone to dark movies. I've never drank. I've never taken drugs. And I never had a vision before. And we went to a prayer meeting that Sunday night, came home, went to bed like any other normal night. And this is when the vision happened. I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get a glass of water. And that's when I was pulled out of my body and found myself falling down in a long, dark tunnel into hell. Well, you know, I... I I, for some reason, I thought you wasn't a Christian when this happened, but uh, uh, I know God gave you this vision for a reason, and uh, uh, I guess that's the one part I did miss, and thank you for clarifying the yeah. fact that you were a Christian when this happened. Well, that's why I wanted to clarify how a Christian can only see how in a dream or a vision, but like you said, the reason he gave me this vision, and, and it was obvious it was from him, he appeared to me, but... I'm just a signpost to point people to the scriptures. It doesn't matter if people believe my experience. I'm not here to convince them to believe me. I just want to point them to the scriptures because a lot of people in churches today are not teaching the truth that there really is a hell, that it's eternal, it's real literal fire. And that's what the Lord wanted me to point the people to the scriptures. Well, you and know, that's, uh, that's one of the things and one, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on our webcast is because I think in many of our churches today, uh, a lot of pastors, and I say this with uh, great compassion and, and trepidation, they don't want to talk about hell. Uh, hell is not a subject that you hear ministers talk about much, and 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 it's not something that if we talk about it, we should be afraid if our heart's right with God. Right. And so, um, and it's he, a message of love because it's a message of warning. So it's not something uh, condemning in any way. God's given us a loving warning. That's why in the Bible, 46 verses, Jesus talked about hell. Why? Because that's what he saved us from. So he's warning us, hey, you don't want to go down this road because this is where you'll end up. So it's... it's well, why don't you uh, go ahead now and just tell us how the, uh, the vision... Right. How, when it was and how it happened. All right, well, it was November 23rd, 1998. And um, now I'm not going to give all the scripture for everything I saw because it's, we don't have the time. But I'll just tell you what I saw and try to condense it here in these minutes. But like I said, we came home from a prayer meeting. I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was pulled out of my body. I found myself falling through the air down this long tunnel. And it was getting hotter and hotter. And I landed on an actual stone floor in a prison cell in hell. Another scripture for this, Isaiah 24, 22, Proverbs 7, 27, Job 17, 16. Many scriptures talk about prison cells and bars. That's where I first found myself. But... The first thing I noticed, Don, was the intense heat. It was so far beyond the ability to sustain life. I wondered, 
why am I alive? How could I be alive in this heat? My reaction was to get up and run, but I had no physical strength in my body. I thought, what's wrong with my body? But Isaiah 14, 9 and 10, Psalms 88, 4 explain that you have no physical strength in hell. And uh, there were demons in this cell, reptilish in appearance, uh, bumps and scales all over the one's body. Uh, huge, these particular two are about 12 or 13 feet tall. And there's scripture for that, but I'm going to keep moving. They were pacing like a vicious caged animal in this prison cell. And they had an extreme hatred for God. They were blaspheming and cursing God. But we know blasphemy comes from the demonic realm. Revelation 13, 6, James 2, 7, and some others. But then they directed that hatred they had for God, they directed towards me. I wonder why, what have I done to them? The one demon picked me up, threw me into the wall of this prison cell. I felt like as every bone in my body broke. That's how it felt anyway. And I wondered why am I alive through this? This other demon dug its claws in my chest and just tore the flesh open. Let me now, ask no, you a question right here, Bill. Now, when, when you was in this experience, did you feel like you, you personally were burning? I wasn't in the fire. I felt the heat, and I saw the flames, which I'll get to, but I myself wasn't thrown into the fire. Uh, God spared me for that. But, and one more thing to explain. I felt a small amount of the pain. I didn't feel all of it, but the Lord explained to me on the way back that he blocked most of the pain that I would have felt from those blows. But he allowed me to feel a small amount so I could relate to people that it's not metaphorical. It's not a state of the mind. It's real literal pain you're going to feel in hell. Thank God he blocked most of it. But uh, like I said, I noticed I had a body. Matthew 10, 28 mentions a body. Luke 16, the rich man, he wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue. He had a mouth to speak. He had eyes to lift. You have a body in hell, but it withstands these torments. And one thing interesting, though, Don, I noticed there was no blood or water coming from the wounds when the demon tore my flesh open. But Leviticus 17.11 says the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, there's no life in hell, so there's no blood. And Zechariah 9.11 says thy prisoners out of the pit where there is no water. There's not one drop of water in hell. And these demons have no mercy over you whatsoever. They have an extreme hatred for man. Uh, about this time it went dark. Now, I believed it was God's presence there to illuminate it so I could see. But then it resumed its normal state. He withdrew his light. And it was absolute pitch black dark. Lamentations 3, 6, and Jude 13, many scriptures talk about the darkness. But it wasn't just dark, you could actually feel it. And Exodus 10, 21 mentions the darkness that may be felt. Because it just, it's so wicked and evil there, it just seems to penetrate through every cell in your body. Don, I was taken out of this prison cell. I was placed over next to this large raging pit of fire. This is where I could first see people. There were literally thousands of people inside this huge inferno. It was about a mile across this pit. Uh, with flames raging high up in this open cavern. And it was not metaphorical or allegorical flames. It was real literal flames. Psalms 11, 6, Psalms 140, verse 10, Matthew 13, 49. Many scriptures talk about the fires of hell. But to see people burning, it was awful to see them on fire. And they just looked like skeletons. You cannot distinguish a man from a woman. Um, they were screaming, and the screams were so loud and deafening. You wanted to get away from the screams, but you can't. Isaiah 57, 21 says, there, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. There's no peace of any kind in hell. Uh, I, I, those people are kept at a distance from each other. So no one's close. So you have no fellowship, no conversation. You're just isolated and alone by yourself. I wanted to talk to my wife. I knew I would never get to her again. I would never be able to say goodbye to her. You know, Job 7, 9 says, he that goes down to Sheol shall come up no more. You have that understanding you're not going to get out. You don't get to talk to people. Like I said, you're alone. The stench in hell is the most foul, putrid, disgusting odors. 
Remember, Jesus rebuked the foul spirits, Mark 9.25, and the smell of burning uh, sulfur also. And if you go to Hawaii to the volcano, they have signs posted where you cannot go past a certain point because the toxicity of the sulfur coming up, it's called sulfur dioxide. It's toxic. It will kill you if you breathe it. Well, that's sulfur is just another word for brimstone. And where brimstone is all through the Bible. So you're breathing in this foul, putrid, disgusting air, but there's not enough air to breathe. You have to fight for even the tiniest bit of oxygen. Uh, and only an asthma patient can relate to that. You're like, you feel like you're suffocating. But Isaiah 42, 5 says, the Lord gives breath to the people upon the earth. You're not upon the earth, you're down deep beneath the earth. Uh, I knew I was down deep beneath the earth. Uh, there's 49 scriptures that talk about where it's located. I'll just give you two, Ezekiel 26, 20, number 16, 32, and 33, the current hell or Sheol. Um, I knew there were different levels of torment and degrees of punishment. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 23, 14, you shall receive the greater damnation. That infers a lesser. Or Matthew 10, 15, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. That infers a less tolerable. Hebrews 10.28, of how much worse of a punishment. But my point is, there is no tolerable, comfortable level in hell. Oh. They're horrendous, beyond anything you can imagine. Uh, you, you need to sleep in hell, you never get to go to sleep. Now, I was only there 23 minutes, but I felt like I was there 23 weeks without going to sleep. But Revelation 14, 10, and 11 explain that, um, that you never get to rest in hell. Um, and it, there's many scriptures I could give you about that, but the point is, you don't, there's nothing you enjoy in hell. Everything is... A torment beyond anything you can imagine. There's demons that can torment you. Um, you're, uh, it's a place of confusion. Jeremiah 20:11, Isaiah 45:16 mentioned a land of everlasting confusion. Job 10:22, a land without any order. You know, we like things in order in life because we serve a God of order. Well, hell is the antithesis. It's chaos, confusion, hectic. Nothing makes any sense. And um, there's demons. There's maggots. I saw maggots crawling all over everything. Remember, Jesus said, where their worm dies not, and he used the word maggot. Also, Isaiah 14, 11 says, where the maggot will be spread under thee, the worm will cover thee. There's literal maggots crawling all over people, tormenting uh, them, and there's snakes, demons, uh, shoving people back in, all these things. Are, well, did you see, did they have physical bodies? Did you see them with physical bodies? Demons or the people? The people. The people, they just look like skeletons. There was like something that looked like flesh hanging off their bones. And so you cannot distinguish a man from a woman, but it looked like skeletons. Uh, it was horrible. It's just like maybe only a fireman has seen someone on fire, but uh, it's the most did horrible. You, did you see faces or did you? No. No. No, no you couldn't. You wouldn't be able to distinguish anyone. And um, so, like I said, just skeleton form. That's at least what I saw. Now, hell is deep and large, Isaiah 30, 33 says. So I only saw a piece of it. But this is what God showed me. But everything he showed me was worse than anybody can ever imagine. And Well, just you know, listening God, to you explain to, the, to this part right now and the people that's viewing, I, I, I have a hard time even identifying how bad it is. I hear it with my ears. I right. hear what you're saying. But you encountered this and... And for you to be able to explain it in detail like you are, uh, I almost get sick to my stomach just yeah. thinking about the things that you're saying. Right. It is worse than I can ever describe. Wow. And, uh, you know, but people have to realize why hell is so horrible. See, um, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. He never intended for man to go there. But Jesus, the, God used the word prepared. 
The same word used in John 14, 2, where he goes to prepare a place for us in heaven. So he prepared heaven for us, prepared hell for the devil. But what he did in the preparation was, see, James 1, 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. So all the good we enjoy in life, the fresh air, sunshine, fellowship, drinking, eating, sleeping, all the good comes from God. So what he did in the preparation was, he simply withdrew his goodness or his attributes. See, hell is dark because 1 John 1, 5 said, God is light. There's only death in hell because John 1, 4 said, God is love. There's only hatred in hell because 1 John 4, 16 said, God is love. There's no mercy in hell because Psalms 36, 5 says, the mercy of the Lord is in the heavens. There's no strength in hell because Psalms 18, 32 said, it's the Lord that gives us strength. There's no water in hell because Deuteronomy 11, 11 says, water is the rain of heaven. And there's no peace in hell because Isaiah 9, 6 says, he is the prince of peace. So you see, if God removes himself from the situation, all the good goes with him. You can't have the good without God. You can't separate wow, the two. Wow, If a person wants nothing to do with God, there's a place prepared that has nothing to do with him. Can you see that? Now, other than one thing, the fire in hell does represent God's wrath. All through the scripture it says he will pour out his wrath on sin in the form of fire. But God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross so we wouldn't have to take that wrath. So you can let Jesus take it or you can take it. It's a choice people make. That's why hell's so horrible. I just want to explain that because it's absent from God's attributes. In other words, you know, you, you said, which the, the Bible tells us, that God didn't prepare or make hell for human beings. Right. He made hell for Satan and his cohorts. Right, exactly. But he gave man a free will to choose. And he tells him clearly in Revelation 21, 8, he says, all unbelievers shall have their part in the lake of fire. So if you don't believe Jesus is the only way that he died for our sins and we repent and ask God to forgive us, if you don't believe that, he's telling you this is where you will end up. See, that's, that's a warning. That's why you can see why Jesus said in Matthew 12, 37, your own words will condemn you. Because people say, I don't believe Jesus is the only way. With their own words, they deny. And he said, this is what happens if you deny. You'll go to this place. But he doesn't want anybody to go there. He died a horrific death on the cross to keep everybody out. What would you want him to do? Well, during this experience that you had, and it was 23 minutes, you said. Correct. The reason was that I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get a glass of water. And when I came back into my body, I started screaming. And my screams woke up my wife. And she, the first thing she did is look at our digital clock, and it said 323. So that's where the 23 comes from. 23 minutes. Wow. So, but anyway, but I, I was screaming. You, you literally, once you, you came out of this, you went yeah. in the kitchen to get a drink of water, you said. Yes. And then when you came out of this trance or this vision, you started. Vision, I touched my body. So I saw my body fall to the floor. Okay, so it fell to the floor in my living room. When I came back, I saw my body lying on the floor. So it's very strange to be outside your body. It, it looked so temporal to me, the body. Uh, it looked like, that's not me. The real me is, is the spirit man. Uh, it looked so, just like if you were looking at your car. It's a vehicle to get you around in life in, but it's not really you. That's how the body looked. But I entered back in, and when I entered back in, the memories of hell flooded back into my mind. You see, on the way back, I was traveling back with the Lord. And 1 John 4, 18 says, perfect love casts out fear. So I had no fear whatsoever. But when he left, the memories came back to my mind. And Don, it's so severe, the memories and thoughts, that... I felt my body dying, and I was in the best physical shape of my life, and I started screaming, and I said, pray for me, pray for me, the Lord has taken me to hell, and my wife prayed, and God removed the horror, but he left the memory, 
somehow he separated the two, but we know he can divide both soul and spirit. But that's my screams woke up my wife, so that's where that 23 comes from. But anyway, so what did this this experience do for your walk with God? You know, I was always sold out to God before this. I was really involved in our church, but it gave me a new passion for the lost. See, I never realized how severe hell was. I was a Christian, glad I wasn't going there, but it never really sunk in that it was that bad. So it's caused me to think, you know what? My family can't go there. My friends can't go there. I've got to do more than I've done before to see if people can stay out of hell. I've got to take more opportunity. I'm going to pray and fast for people. I'm going to watch for every opportunity to witness. And I'm not talking about beat people over the head with the Bible. I'm just talking about be sensitive to the Holy Spirit each day and say, Lord, use me. Put me in front of somebody that I can share your word with. Because, see, they don't realize what they're facing at the end of the road. If they don't know Jesus Christ, they'll end up in this place. And we can do something about it. And God's entrusted us with the gospel. That's a privilege that we all have as Christians. And Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's a command to all of us, not a suggestion. So, but it's given me that passion to want to share God's love, how much he loves people, died a horrible death on the cross to keep people out, but he's entrusted us to go and well, tell them. Well, after this happened, how did you begin to, to explain this to people, and what did you do about your business and all of this? Well, you know, I didn't really honestly want to tell anybody about my experience. I wanted to witness to everybody, but I didn't want to tell them about the experience because they're going to think I'm crazy. And, you know, I had a good business, making a lot of money, but I shared it with my best friend. And he said, Bill, would you come to my Bible study and share it? I said, no way. Well, he talked me into it after three months. I went reluctantly. Well, it spread from there. So for the next seven years, my wife and I got invited all over the country. We paid our own way. We never took one penny from anybody for seven years because that's how important this message was. I didn't want anybody to think we're doing this for money at all. And uh, so that's how it spread. Then the publisher came to me and asked me to write the book. So it's not something I was looking to self-promote, but I was happy to write the book because I could place in there all the scriptures that have to do with hell. So again, people don't have to believe me. They can believe the scripture because that's not being talked about today. You know, a lot of people aren't, churches aren't talking about hell because they have a hard time reconciling a loving God with a God that would allow people to suffer in hell. But there's answers for that. Well, you know, I hear people say uh, things like... Um, well, if you go to hell and hell is so hot and the flames are so hot, why does it just burn you up and you just you just disintegrate and it's over with? Well, because you have a different body. It's not the same as this body. It's a spirit body of some kind. And just like the burning bush wasn't burned up, the look at the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. They weren't burned up. God protected them. So God has a way with the body that you're prepared with in hell that it will not burn up. So uh, that's the kind of body you have in hell. Like Luke 16, Jesus talked about the rich man in hell, in torment, in the flame. So that's a real true experience that Jesus mentioned. The guy was tormented and he was concerned about his brothers. He didn't want his brothers to come there. And he wanted one drop of water just to cool his tongue. But well, a drop that he'll never get. Well, I personally, you know, the reason I'm having you here, I personally believe there is a hell. I believe that. I believe there's a heaven. And I don't, I don't believe that... God sends anybody to hell, but you said God gave us a will. You said that. Right. And we can choose whether we're going to heaven or we can go into hell. Right. You know, um, he died a horrible death to keep us out, but he gives man a free will. He doesn't force man into anything. So he tells you clearly how to stay out, 
Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Made it clear. And he tells it very clear. John 3, 36 says, He that believes in the Son has everlasting life, but he that believes not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Many scriptures that make it clear, but it's a free will man has. He can choose. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Why does only 80 or or 90 years of one's life deserve eternal punishment because uh, people would say the crime doesn't fit the punishment. Could you explain right. that for me? Sure. A lot of people think that that makes sense in the logical realm. But we have to understand that time is the wrong premise. See, it's not based on time. It's based on a relationship. Because if it was based on time and you spend, say, three or four hundred years in hell, then you would say, God, I've paid for my sin. And we can never pay for our sin. And because that would be works. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says we're saved by grace, not by works. And second reason is our time is not valuable enough to pay for our sins. Only the shed blood of Jesus is valuable enough to pay for sins. Hebrews 9, 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So our time isn't valuable enough. We said, God, I paid 500 years in hell. He goes, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. Your, your time in hell is not valuable enough, but the shed blood of Jesus is. So Jesus paid it for us. But one more point about that. People need to understand that our sin is deserving of eternal punishment because of this. See, Thomas Aquinas said this, and he was considered the greatest theologian of the medieval church. He said, the higher the position the one sinned against, the graver the sin. In other words, if I lie to you, Don, it would be wrong. But if I lie to the Supreme Court, it would be worse because of their position. If I punch my brother in the stomach, that'd be wrong. But if I punch my mother in the stomach, that'd be much worse because of her position. Well, God is infinitely greater in position, but he's also infinitely greater in being. If I step on a bug and kill it, no big deal, even though it's life. But if I kill a dog or a cat, that'd be worse, deserving of some kind of punishment. But if I kill a human being, that'd be far worse, deserving of a much greater punishment. Well, we've sinned against a holy, omnipotent, perfect, eternal, loving God, so therefore our sin against him is deserving of eternal punishment. See, that, that makes sense too. But also, again, our time is not valuable enough. That's the wrong premise. I hope that helps. Um, why is there only one way to heaven? You know, there's many religions out there, so why is there only one way to heaven, Bill? You know, most of the world religions are based on philosophical thought, except for four. Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, and, Christ and Christianity. But only Christianity claims resurrection for its founder. See, no other religion claims someone died and rose from the dead. There is no one else that's risen from the dead. That makes Christianity unique. And someone had to pay for, the, uh, uh, for our sins, and it had to be someone perfect that lived a life that was perfect, never sinned once. That's Jesus Christ. So he paid the price for our sin. He died in our place. He can stand before a holy God and say, hey, I, I didn't sin ever. And so now he's... He's righteous. We take on his righteousness if we trust in what he did on the cross, and he washes away our sins. But also, other, all the other religions of the world are based on one man's vision or one man's book. Well, the Bible's not one book or one vision. It's 66 different books written by 40 different guys over a 1,500-year period, written on three continents in three languages, and they all wrote about the coming Savior, the Messiah. And there's no conflict in any of the books. Every word, there's, there's no discrepancy of any kind. That makes the Bible unique. And so that's why Christianity is unique. Jesus is the only one that died and, there's, and rose from the dead. And there's much proof of the empty tomb. So that makes Christianity unique and more credible than any other religion.
Well, this may sound like a, a, a real odd or strange question, but who will go to who? Who will be who will be the people in hell? Well, it's just anybody that rejects Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and refuses to repent of their sin. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, Unless a man repent, you shall all likewise perish. And uh, Acts 4, 12 says, There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, the name of Jesus. So people have to acknowledge Jesus is the Son of God. He died in our place. And then ask him to forgive themselves, forgive them of their sins. Repent, turn away from sin. See, it's not enough to mentally assent to the fact and say, yeah, I can believe Jesus is God and go live your own life, do your own thing. That's not repentance. Repentance requires a humble heart to admit you're a sinner and agree to turn away from a sinful lifestyle and follow Jesus. That's what it takes to be saved. And uh, well, anybody Bill, can do that. Without trying to um, condemn or, or, or say something about anybody, that's not my intention at all, but there's a lot of ministries today that's saying about talk they preach about the grace of God and I believe in the grace of God I'm saved by grace the exactly. grace by faith I'm saved through the grace of God but right. today it's like you can live any way you want to you know we have and again I say this not condemningly because I want to see people saved but in many of the churches today it's okay for uh, people to commit the sin of homosexuality, the sin of adultery, uh, for people to cohabit together and live together. And, and many ministers, even uh, I, I know one pastor that he had people in his leadership uh, of a huge megachurch that um, they're living together. Well, he was afraid to say anything to them because he was afraid they would leave the church and stop giving money to the church. So, uh, how do you how do you deal with what I just said? Right, I know you're right. It's grace and God's love is what's preached, but also you know Jesus repeat uh, preached repentance and obedience, not just grace and love. If you follow everything he taught, it was repentance and obedience. The first word out of Jesus' mouth was in Matthew four seventeen. He said, "Repent." For the kingdom of God is at hand. And so and Jesus said also in Luke 8, 21, My mother and brethren are those that hear the word of God and do it. And he said, If you love me, keep my commandments. So if your person that live in, is living in habitual sin, like sleeping with your girlfriend or whatever, then you're not obeying what Jesus said to do. And all through the scripture, Revelation 21 and 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and Ephesians and Galatians all list the different things that people practice, homosexuality, adultery and fornication and all those things. It says if you practice those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So we have to preach both sides. You know, yes, God's loving and his grace and his mercy Ooh. endures forever. But also there's a God part and there's our part. We have to walk in holiness. We have to, and, and you know what? It's not a burden. It's a delight to keep his word. It's not hard. You know, when you fall in love with God, you see how good he is. You don't want to offend him because he's done so much for us. You don't want to offend him by disobeying his word and living in sin, you know, so that you automatically would repent and turn away from a sinful lifestyle when you realize how good and loving he is. But yes, we have to preach both sides. People are preaching one side of the coin and not the other. I think that's a danger. Well, what do you say to people that, that struggle, you know, they, they, in their heart, I believe they love the Lord, really do love the Lord, but yet they struggle in the things that 
I just brought up. They struggle right. with those. Well, I hear that all the time. You know, but I've asked a lot of people, and they said, man, we're trying. We go to church on Sunday, uh, but we're just struggling with sin. We can't seem to get out of it. I asked them, do you read the Word every day? Not one has ever said yes. And David said in Psalms 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, we got to take some effort and get the word in us. And the more word we get in, the less we're going to want to sin. Because the word is what changes our thinking. But, you know, people have to take that effort and start reading. Even if it's only 15 minutes a day, it'll start changing your mind. You'll start, uh, it'll chisel away at that evil and you'll start not wanting to sin anymore. And you grow to the point where David said in the Bible, he hated every evil way. He hated sin. It was detestable to him. So that's where God wants us to mature to. But there's a start. We have to start with reading the word and get it in our heart. And then commit our works to the Lord. Yes, go to church. Uh, start being involved in a church. Um, praying, taking time to pray each day. Seek God, listen to his voice. People that struggle, um, you know, they, they're raised in a Christian home. And um, when they're raised in a Christian home and all at once, you know, they get a taste of the world. And, and as they begin to uh, taste the world and it becomes so fascinating and, and I guess pleasurable to them to their flesh and right. and then they they have so much guilt I guess as well um, what, right. what what do how, how do you help a person that 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 you know is is raised in church and knows the right thing to do, but yet somehow they're just drawn by lust. They're drawn by drugs or alcohol or whatever. How do you help a person like that, Bill? You know, I think if they truly cry out to God and say, God, help me. I can't do this on my own. I need your help and your strength. God will give them the grace, which is the ability to stand against the sin. But they do have to take some effort, like I said, and read. Take time to pray. You can't just do, you know, not nothing for God and expect to be victorious and come out of the sin. But if they cry out to God, God's faithful. He will help them. And also it says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Just think of doing something for God. Get involved in, in your church. Do something. Just help at the door greeting people or go feed the poor. Do something and your thoughts will start being established. And like I said, reading the Word, it'll drive out the sin out of your life the more you read. So that's what I encourage them to do. Cry out to God, take a little time each day and pray and read His Word. He will help you. Well, you know, um, I'm going to change the subject here just a little bit, and then I want to come back to that. But um, what would you say to someone that says, well, what about... What about um, someone that's in a remote part of the world and mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah. they've never heard the gospel. What, what, what's their fate? What's their future? Well, two parts of that answer. Number one, Romans 1 says that man is accountable because of creation, God said. So in other words, in creation there is design everywhere. The human body, it's remarkable. The baby being born, the universe, the order of the planets and the stars. Uh, the plant life, the animal kingdom, all shows design. That points to a designer. So God says, I hold you accountable because I put so much design in nature that you have to say, there must be a God. So if that person in the remote jungle just calls out to God and says, who are you that made all this? 
God will find a way to get through to that man. Either he'll get him a Bible, he'll send him a missionary, uh, CD, DVD, radio, TV. God's got churches on so many corners all around the world. Uh, but also in Job 33, it says God will give man dreams and visions to keep back his soul from the pit. So if that man cries out to God and says, who are you? Just show an ounce of humility and say, God, I want to know who you are. God will give him a dream or a vision or find a missionary some way to get to that man. So that man won't go to hell that never heard. God will find a way to get through that man. But man has to make some kind of effort a little bit because of creation. And also, you know, 1 John 5.19 says the whole world lies in wickedness. So that's the whole world. And Psalms 9.17 says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. So that's a problem for the world. If we don't know Jesus, the whole world's going to hell. And that's why in 1 John 4.3 says uh, that he that knows the Son has everlasting life. You have to call on the Son, but you have to repent. Like Jesus said, Luke 13.3, unless a man repent, you shall all likewise perish. And one more verse, Acts 17.30 says that uh, God commands all men everywhere to repent. So everybody, no matter where you're at, you have to repent because we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. We cannot save ourselves. We're on our way to hell. That's why Jesus came was a plan across right in the middle of that road that we're all on. So all we have to do is repent, look up to the cross, and trust in what Jesus did for us. But he holds us accountable because of creation. But God will find a way to get through that man, even through a dream or a vision. Well, you know, you're, you're speaking with so much love and compassion. So I want to preface my my next question to you and I want to say that but a lot of people have the idea or say well you're, 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 you're talking about hell because you're just trying to scare me into getting saved and to, and to come out of the world and so how do you answer that when you spend a lot yeah. of your whole ministry talking about the subject but I want to say well too yeah. that you use more scriptures to verify and to bring validity than anybody I've ever heard on this particular subject. So how, how, do, you, how do you say to someone, uh, you know, that I'm not trying to scare you, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what I experienced and what hell is really like and what punishment's going to be. Sure. You know, like I said, it's it's a loving message because it's a message of warning. You know, nine years ago when we saw Hurricane Ike hit the Gulf Coast, the front page of CNN and a Texas newspaper read, you can look it up, it said, certain death to those who don't vacate. Now, you wouldn't say the writers of that article were mean for issuing that statement. No, you'd be grateful for the warning. You'd get out of the way of the hurricane. The same thing. God's given us a warning through 46 verses to stay out of hell. So that's a loving message, and he's trying to tell you, hey, it's really bad, but you don't have to go there. I've given you a free will mm. to choose. You know, and, but also, one more thing, hell should scare any rational person anyway. Some people are only saved through fear. Jude 23 says some are saved through fear, pulling them out of the fire. So some have to be saved that way, and that's okay. But the bottom line is it is a message of love because it's a message of warning. Well you, well, you know, Bill, I came from a real ultra-Pentecostal background, and years ago when I was a, a, a young child or, mm -hmm. or just a teenager, you know, the church I went to um, and, and the surroundings I was in, you know, there was a lot of preaching to scare me. And I, I tell people often, 
I got saved a, a hundred times. I know, I know you can't, but uh, I got saved a hundred times because after the preaching was over, I'd run to the altar because I didn't want to go to hell. But right. I necessarily wasn't ready to serve the Lord. Right. And so do you think that happens to people even though they didn't come up under the same background? See, when when I was brought up, they taught taught me everything was a sin. You know, we we couldn't go swimming in the same places. Uh, uh, boys couldn't go swimming where girls swim. You know, uh, some people may laugh at me for saying that, but that's what I was taught. You know, what? They, no, a real hard line things that you couldn't do anything or you go to hell. Yeah, so we, I, we couldn't go to movies. Extreme. We couldn't do anything. You know, right. everything was done. It wasn't what you can. Right. You know, there's the extremes, of course, you know, but you got to preach both sides. Uh, let people know how severe hell is, but also how loving God is. He doesn't want anybody to go there. He's trying to keep people out. Matter of fact, throughout people's whole lives, he sends witnesses across their path. Uh, you've got the TV, radio. Like I said, he gives you dreams and visions. He really goes through a lot of effort to keep people out of hell. Every single person. No one will be in hell unjustly. But, you know, on the other side, the people that preach that you can't do anything, that's not true. You know, God wants us to enjoy life, you know, and there's many things to enjoy that are not sinful. So that's the wrong idea when people, the people that live in a habitual sin, they think that is fun and that's all there is. They just don't realize, no, there's a better way. There's a much better way. Sin is not fun. There's always a punishment or a problem that comes along with sin. It might be enjoyable for a moment, but its long-lasting effects are damaging. I like how you're presenting this because it's not fearful when I hear you talk about hell and it makes me not be afraid. It makes me compassionate for people that don't know Jesus or that is struggling. As I told you a minute ago, or I, as I brought the subject up of, uh, of people that are struggling, one day they're in, one day they're out, one day they're up, one day they're down. But I had a, I think you probably know Jimmy and Becky Pierce. You probably know know them or know who they are. But I know the name. I, I had them here with me a couple of weeks ago, and they wrote a beautiful, beautiful song. And it's, the more I uh, know him, the more I love him. Mm -hmm. and, and I believe that's really what you're saying tonight is, exactly. is the more you get in love with Jesus the more you become aware of him, the more of his presence you have, and the more of his presence you have, the more of the anointing, then the less draw you have from the world to draw you back. Exactly. I mean, you learn how good he is through his word, how loving and how many great uh, things he has in, in his word, uh, promises that are you know, condition upon our obedience, but they're not grievous. They're a delight to keep his word. And and you learn, like I said, how to live this life. You know, people go through life, they, they don't read the manual. The Bible is a manual for life. It teaches mm. us how to avoid a lot of the problems, how to appropriate some of the blessings, and how to fall in love with this Jesus. When you read it, you think, man, he is so good. I just want more of him. I want to learn more. And, and as a Christian, the reason it's so important to know about hell is, number one, it'll cause you to appreciate much more than you did your own salvation from what you were saved from. Number two, it causes us to walk more in the fear of the Lord. And, and through, there's many blessings in walking in the fear of the Lord. And number three, it gives you more of a passion for the lost, a desire to want to witness. 
And that's one of our main purposes in life. And we're rewarded in heaven because of what we do for God. And one of the main things is to win souls. Proverbs 11.30 says, he that wins souls is wise. And, you know, God will bless us in heaven for all eternity for the things we do for him. And so it's a delight to keep his word. It's not a burden in any way. That's a lie from the devil that a lot of people believe. Well, why do you believe that, why is it, I should ask you, that more of our ministers today are not dealing with the subject that you're dealing with, you and I are talking about, and especially uh, your experience and the encounter that you had. Why do you, you, you think that uh, ministers shy away from talking about hell? You know, I think, as I mentioned earlier, maybe um, they have a hard time reconciling a loving God with a God that would allow people to suffer in hell. So they avoid the subject altogether. Also, the message of grace and love is so popular today, and people want to kind of be on that bandwagon. And, and it's, a, it's a good message, but it's only half the message. But, see, that attracts a lot Would of Would you explain what you just said there that's only half yeah. of the message? Tell me what well, you mean. You know, like I said, Jesus preached repentance and obedience, not just grace and love. They're preaching the grace and love, but not the repentance and obedience. So, you know, they think they're going to offend people when they come. They, they don't want to offend anybody because they want the numbers to come up in the church. And uh, if they preach a nice, loving, sweet message, it won't challenge anyone. But we need to hear the other side to challenge us, to say, you know what? We can't live in sin. We've got to live purpose for God. We've got to walk in holiness. We've got to avoid sin. We can't do that because there's consequences for our actions. And we're going to be judged, even as Christians, for our actions. And so they want to avoid all that and just preach the nice, loving part of it. But that's not the full gospel. If you've seen the apostles and all of Jesus preaching, he always said, repent, turn away from sin, walk in my commands. You know, don't look back, follow me and keep your eyes focused, you know, and so forth. So that's the message of the gospel. And it's, that's only not really being preached. Amen. Well, Bill, uh, another question here. When, when people, you know, that are... Um, that, that do love God, but yet they spend more time with their one foot out than they do in. And right. I, I, I think most people would understand what I mean when I say that. It's right. uh, They hardly go to church. They, they maybe don't tithe. Maybe they don't give. Right. Um, maybe, um, you know, they're not involved in any type of Christian uh, service for the Lord. And they spend more time with people outside the church right. that's, that's doing different things than with the church. And then they will say, well, doesn't God consider my heart? I mean, well, how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, you can't trust your heart. The Bible says it's desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9. And evil and madness is in man's heart, Ecclesiastes 9, 3. Uh, it says that um, uh, your, your heart can be deceived or an error uh, and so forth. There's many scriptures about the heart and it says in Proverbs 28, it says that if you trust in your heart, you're a fool. So thank God, you know, it's not based on our heart, it's based on relationship, but if they're trusting in their heart, their heart can be deceived. And, they, and see, if you start playing around with sin and you're a Christian, you're born again, but you start playing around with sin and you go down that road and you get farther and further, then you, all, you're not repenting anymore. You're living in habitual sin. You don't even feel bad for it, and it gets worse and worse. It's a slippery slope, and you know you're on dangerous ground. You know Jesus said in Mark 9:47, "If your eye offends thee, 
The word offend means causes you to sin. He said, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter into life maimed than in the hell fire. So he's telling you, if you keep going down that road, you could enter into hell fire. So there's a danger in a Christian playing with sin and no longer being going to a church, not reading his Bible, not hanging around Christians. You need to purposely hang around people to keep your faith up because the world's negative and it'll pull you the wrong way and you'll go down the wrong path and you'll be in trouble. So I would encourage people, get plugged into a church, make friends that are saved, uh, have friends that you can pray with, mm. take time to read and pray. This is really important or you're going to fall and you're going to end up in trouble and you're going to have problems just like the world. And if you don't tithe and all those things, the devourer is not rebuked. God cannot bless you. All these problems occur for a Christian just like the world would. So we got to be committed Christians. And, and then to enjoy the blessings of God. It's that we don't earn it. It's a free gift. But at the same time, he tells us he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. Well, I appreciate you bringing up the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 17 where it says that the heart is continually evil. I, I'm not quoting it exactly the way it says it. But, you know, I hear people make the statement, just follow your heart. Well, you know, that's not an accurate statement because... If evil is in your heart, some people say, well, I don't know what I should do. Well, just follow your heart. Well, I think people's intentions are good right. when, when they say that. But, you know, you can't follow your heart if you've got evil in your heart. You've got to get your heart right. And then you, but we follow God rather than following our heart. I think that's what you're saying. Is that right? Yes, and as an unsaved person, you don't realize your heart is most likely deceived, at least in some area. There's wickedness in your heart. Um, there's uh, error. You can have error in your heart. I just had a few scriptures here about that. Um, you become dull, uh, become filled with reproach. There's many scriptures. There's about 20 verses that talk about how the heart is deceived and full of wickedness and evil, and you don't know that. And so we got to get, when we get born again, God gives us a new heart, a new spirit. Ezekiel talks about um, but even as a Christian, we've got to guard our heart. Jesus said many times, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life and so forth. So your heart can deceive you, and that we got to guard against that. Amen. Well, I, I, I just see we're getting close to the top of the hour here. And David, uh, could you uh, put up one of the lower thirds there, or, or do we just have to switch screens before we do that? I want him to see his website. I want him to be able to get his book. Uh, this this book that you um, um, this yeah. book is so powerful. I, I I just encourage everyone that's viewing to go to the website and and get his book. This this book is just absolutely incredible. And um, um, I've no, read this. I'm sorry, can I, before you cut off, can I say two more things real quickly? Or? Please do, please do. Two things that were so important about this vision. One was God showed me, uh, he allowed me to feel what they feel in hell, hopelessness. See, none of us in life know what it's like to really be hopeless. And in hell, you understand you'll never, ever get out. Isaiah 38, 18 says, those who go down to the pit cannot hope for thy truth. And we know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They have no hope for him because it's too late. And a hundred million years ago by, you're still there. You grasp that in hell. You understand you'll never get out. That's the worst part of hell. 
understanding the hopelessness. But the most important thing that God shared with me was his love. He allowed me to feel just a piece of his heart when we were coming up out of this tunnel out of hell. And he wept when he saw people falling down into this dark tunnel back into hell. And he allowed me just to feel a little piece of the anguish he feels for a soul falling into hell. You know, Ephesians 3.19 said, His love passes knowledge. He loves everybody more than you can ever imagine. And he doesn't want one person to go to hell. He's desperately trying to keep people out. And that, was, that stuck with me the most, is God allowing me to feel just a little bit. I couldn't even stand to feel a little bit of how much love he has for people. You know, and so that really stood out to me the most was God's great love for people. He's given you a choice. Please don't go to this place. You'll never get out. It's worse than you can imagine. But God loves you. He's given you that free will to choose. Well, you know, I, I, I think you answered this and talked about it just now, but I want to bring it back up again. We just we still have a couple of minutes here. And uh, someone said to me the other day, they said, well, God's, God's a God of love. And um, if if I do go to hell, I'll just burn up, and and then he'll take me out, and then it'll all be over with. How do you answer that question? No, hell's eternal. There's many verses. Jesus said in Matthew 25:46, "These shall go into everlasting life, and these shall go into everlasting punishment." He used this word "everlasting" as the word "ionios." So, in describing heaven as everlasting, so is hell everlasting. It says the same thing in John 5:29, Mark 16:16. 16, 16, Daniel 12, 2, Acts 24, 15, Matthew 13, 30, Revelation 14, 10, 11. Many scriptures talk about hell being eternal, Matthew 18, 8, and so forth. So, no, hell is eternal. You won't be annihilated or just cease to exist. Or universalism, another false teaching that says everybody gets saved. No, you've got to know Jesus Christ and repent of your sins or you will be in hell for all eternity. Mm. Because God made us eternal beings. He made us in his image. And he cannot snuff us out because he made us eternal. That's, he designed us to go to heaven. Didn't design us to go to hell, but because he gives us free will, then we go to one place or the other. And he cannot let us out of hell after a time. Again, one more thought is Revelation 21, 27 says, he'll let nothing in the heaven that defiles or corrupts. So he cannot take you out and put you in the heaven with your defiled, corrupt nature. We have to have a new spirit, a new heart that only comes from being born again. God gives us that new nature. And then because we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, repented, then that new nature is compatible with God and we can live with him in heaven. So there's all answers for all these things. But the point is God's given you a free will to choose. Well, Do not reject Jesus Christ. It's so hard to comprehend actually eternity, Bill. Um, yes. Uh, either way, I mean, just eternity is so hard to comprehend because of life. And, you know, one of the things that you said a, a few minutes ago about the consequences of sin, uh, one of the things we, we, I hope people will hear tonight is when we're lured or Satan lures us or we give in to sin and the consequences here, but, but the consequences are going to be worse hereafter. Oh, People have no idea. If they could see hell for five seconds, they would change quickly. They'd be so grateful for what Jesus did on the cross to keep us out of there and take us to a perfect place in heaven. So, yes, avoid sin, serve God with all your heart, and go to heaven. And that's that's the bottom line with this message. And So my wife and I travel all over just sharing the truth, you know, because you can't make an informed decision unless you hear both sides. You've got to hear that there really is a hell and, uh, and then make your decision. It's your choice. If you go to hell, it'll be your own fault. Wow. 
You know, that is, that is so simple, but so true. Yes. And I want to I reiterate that, is if you go to hell, it's your fault. God doesn't, God, I, I believe it's fair to say God wouldn't send anybody to hell, right? No, it's not his decision. He left it up to man. He tells you exactly how to stay out. Here's how to get to heaven. If you don't do that, you're going to go to hell. That's a free will. Why would people complain? Because they have a choice. You know, we see the liberals today scream and yell for uh, pro-choice. Well, here's an area where God gave pro-choice. You choose. What do you want to do? You want to, Do you trust him and believe his word, or do you reject him? Mm -hmm. Up to you. Wow. Just before we bring this to a close, I just, I'm going to have Bill to pray for each one of you now. Uh, and I know a lot of you have made comments here, and I haven't acknowledged anyone because the powerful message tonight, I did not want to interrupt the flow of this message tonight, and I know you understand that. Uh, but I, I'm, I, one here I'm reading, and it says, this has encouraged me more to continue what I'm doing, even in the midst of the hardships. I should not stop. Well, to me, Bill, hearing this one testimony of this person saying, this has encouraged me to me more to continue what I'm doing, even in the midst of the hardships they're experiencing. And ministers are given up because of hardships and because of lack of finances or the crowds in some places are, are dropping off. But you know what? I, I'm even more inspired by hearing you tonight. You know, I keep myself encouraged. But just, just being near you, even though I know you're in California and I'm in Texas, but I'm near you through this technology and just you, the anointing is coming across. And I, I could just weep almost right now. Not for, because I'm sad, but I'm weeping for the world and weeping for people that's in darkness and people that's following the flesh and, and sin. And they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what. I know. You know, a soul is so precious to God. And a person's soul, because it's eternal, it's the most valuable thing a person has. And whether they believe it or not, they will spend it in one place or the other. And heaven is not our default destination. There needs to be a purposeful act on our part. But if you could see how good God is and, and you know, accept what he did, the free gift. You know, it's the rejection of Jesus Christ that sends us to hell, not our sin. It's the rejection of the provision for our sin. So, you know, I could pray for people now if you would want. Um, well, I do. I, I want you to pray for people right now. Uh, but let me just say this. Yeah. Uh, Bill and Annette, they travel around the world. They just came from South Africa in a, in a large meeting in South Africa. And they, they're, they're just given their lives to tell this story. They're given their lives to tell the story of Jesus and to warn people that hell is a real place. Not trying to frighten or bring fear to anyone, only to tell the truth. And the Bible said the truth will make you free. And so if there's anyone struggling uh, in any area of your life, I want you to open your heart. And, and, and I'm sure people are viewing or will view later that are not Christians and that have not given their heart to God. I want you to make that decision as Bill prays. Bill, it's yours. Go ahead and pray with the people right now. All right. 
Father, I just ask you to reveal to the people your heart how much you love them and don't want them to go to hell. Lord, that you gave your life for them. And if that's you and you would say, you know, Bill, I just want to get my life right. I want to, I want to turn my life over to God. I don't want to go to hell and I want to serve him. But I, I need help. I can't do this on my own. Well, God is here to help you. Just repeat this prayer and your name will be written in his book. He has a book and he's going to look to see if our names are in his book. You know, because Revelation 20:15 says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You can have your name written in his book right now. Just say these words and this is going to come from your heart. Say, dear God in heaven, I know that I've sinned and I cannot save myself. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. That he was crucified, died and was buried, but rose again and lives forevermore. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent. I'm sorry. I turn from my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. It's by your shed blood that I have forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for taking me to heaven. And I now confess I'm a born-again Christian going to heaven, and I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said that prayer and meant it from your heart, God just came into your heart. Whether you feel it or not, you're a new creature. You're born again. You'll go to heaven. You don't have to fear hell. Just go tell somebody what he's done for you. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. I'll bring Bill back for a closing word here, but uh, I can't tell you how how touched I've been with the message tonight and this and the encounter that he had this was an out of the body experience if you didn't get the first part I encourage you to go back in the replay on whatever app you're watching on go back and get the first part of him telling about his encounter with hell and it was an out-of-body experience and when he came back into his body of how he began to scream this was so uh, enlightening to me to hear it again even though I've heard Bill tell this story a number of times it's never something that I take for granted I know it was directly God-given that is changing lives and I really encourage you to go to his website. So it would is his website up? I haven't. I, I can't see whether his website's up or not. Put his website up, and they can go right there and also get the book. David, can you uh, show them the book now, and then we'll come back to the website. There's the book, the 23 minutes in hell. Um, if you can, uh, just. There, there's so much in this book that Bill didn't get to talk about tonight because we're limited uh, with time, and I was asking him questions, so therefore there is, there's so much information and so many scriptures that bring validity to everything that Bill has uh, ministered to. So I encourage every one of you, every one of you that's viewing, or get it for a friend. Send it to a friend. Get it for someone. Put the website up one more time, if you would, so that people that are watching, um, uh, uh, there's the website right there that you can see. And if you can go to that website and um, 
give an offering, help them uh, be a part. They're also uh, broadcast, they broadcast live on YouTube. And, and really he was so kind because they broadcast on YouTube at the same time I broadcast here. And so he's having to leave his uh, normal broadcast to be with us tonight. And I know I'm a little over time. But uh, I, I just pray that you will get the book. I pray that you will... Uh, Seek God more than you have sought God, that you'll love God. You'll start running to God. Just run right into His presence. Run right into His love and let Him just, His arms around you. You know, when people come in, uh, our, our family, we see them at the airport or we greet them. We, we run up and we embrace people because we hadn't seen them in a while and we want to show them our love. Well, right now, just run into the arms of God and let Him love you. Well, Bill, uh, a final word uh, that you would like to give our audience before you, you leave us tonight. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be with you, Don. I'm so blessed to be on your show. But just with the people also, you know, like you said, I encourage you, just read God's Word, fall in love with Him, and be a soul winner. There's nothing mm. more valuable, oh, more rewarding, I should say, than seeing a person's give their, people give their lives to Jesus and their hearts are changed. And that's the only thing we can take to heaven with us, our people. So just encourage you, just go after souls, seek God with all your heart, and serve Him because it's worth it. You'll be rewarded for it, but and He'll bless you for it. Um, let people know, though, there really is a hell. They don't have to go there, and uh, it's their choice. In other words, every one of us, every one of us, every Christian should be a soul winner. That's right. Every single one of us. And God will reward you for it. So we don't have to be a preacher or a pastor to be a soul winner. No, no. You know, just tell your testimony, what God's done for you. And share how good He is. It's just a message. It's a good message. It's a message of love. Of Amen. How much well, Bill, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, because we had to have some time before the broadcast yesterday and today to make sure the technology was working. So, uh, and give my love to your beautiful wife, um, Annette. And, I will. And uh, I thank Here. her and you for uh, being a part tonight and doing this webcast with me. It means a whole lot to me. Oh, we're honored, and we all have our part to do. So we're honored to do our little part. And thank you so much. We love you guys very much. Well, we love you, and God bless you, and uh, I hope to be seeing you real soon. Yes, I hope so. Okay. God bless. God bless. Well, tonight has been uh, a very special, special time for me because I have heard a man tell of an encounter that he had with hell. And you don't hear this very often, but it was not spoken with fear or to frighten you in any way but it was so gentle it was so kind it was coming from the heart of uh, a man of God that has God's heart for you to help you for your eyes to be open for your ears to be open and that's the reason why I do this webcast every Tuesday night is to bring hope to bring love to bring compassion and let you know that I personally care. You know, people tell me all the time, you know, I'm going to be turning 77 in a couple of months, and people say, when are you going to retire? 
I tell people I'm going to retire when I go to heaven, but that won't be retirement. That'll be totally, totally in the presence of Jesus. Well, it's been a joy and a privilege to have my guest Bill Weiss with me tonight. It's been a, a blessing to see all of you that I'm able to see here on uh, with us tonight on this particular app that I'm watching. And so I pray God's blessings on you. And don't forget, we're on Sunday morning at 1030. So God bless you, and I will be talking to you again next week.